Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. We have an exciting show for us today, and I'm going to start out just making brief introductions. I'm Steve. Lucas. Jay. Connor. And special guest, Casey Gundy, son of Kale, um, Oklahoma Lure, um, a lot of history with the program. He's got a lot of interesting insights to share with us. We were talking over dinner, got a lot of inside information that he's going to share with all of us. He knows exactly what the OU uh, depth chart's going to look like coming into the season, as well as what the record's going to be. He's going to share those predictions. But he, no. wrote, he wrote the script. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he wrote, he wrote the script. The script. Yeah. Casey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, well, yeah, to be here. Thanks for coming Thanks on. For coming. So tell us a little about yourself. You, you were with the program as a student assistant and a graduate assistant for the years 2014 through 2019. Yes, sir. Um, tell us a little bit about what that was like and, and what your experience was. Yeah, so um, 2014, when I decided to go to school to OU, um, that spring my dad started talking to me about helping out. Um, so that summer I started learning Heupel's offense, learning signals and formations and plays. Um, so we, we have routes seven on seven in the summer, so that's kind of where I started learning. Um, so I was in my dad's room from 14 to 16. So 2014 it was a running back room, 15 and 16 was inside receiver room. 17, I went and sat in Lincoln's quarterback room. Um, it's a good room. It's a good room. Yeah, it was okay. Room. Who was in that room? Okay. Just tell us a few of the names. Uh, we may not know, recognize 2017 would have been Baker, Baker Kyler. Okay. Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Kyler right, Murray. Uh, God, who else was there? Austin Kendall. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, I think we only had three scholarship quarterbacks That's probably it. That year. Yeah, that would have been only couple three of good ones in there. Yeah. Actually, three guys that started at respective schools yeah. and two of them that went on to some really good First things. First round picks, Heisman's, yeah, yeah. 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 NFL. Pretty yeah. good. Um, and then so... How, well, how responsible for that were you? Like 99%? Or? Probably more like responsible like outside of football. Just making good friends sometimes. Did you keep an eye on Baker in situations? <laughs> or him looking out for me. Oh, okay. I mean, kind of 50-50 there. <laughs> And so then, obviously, we're there in the 19th season with Hertz, mm-hmm. and so that's pretty Sorry. exciting. So, um, thinking back, what was the most memorable games, both the good and the bad? Which one stand out to you? Probably the most memorable, go back to 2015. Um, you know, we came off a rough 2014, at least rough for OU. You know, 8-5 and five is good for a lot of programs, but not A lot for of question OU. marks going into that 15th yeah. season, right? Yeah, you know, we got a new offense coordinator, new offense. Um, you know, inevitably, Baker is going to be the quarterback. Um, you know, I think, was it the third game of the season we go to Tennessee? Second or third? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, we go down there. Good. It's a really good Tennessee team. It's sold out. It's hundreds and thousands of people. Um, they were pumped for that They game. were top 25. It's, I think yes. they were like 21 or yeah. something yeah. They, they were talking Tennessee's comeback year, and yeah. the, the OU game was going to be the one what that was the sent them on their Butch, way. Butch Jones. Butch Jones. Butch Jones. Butch Jones. Yeah. yeah, it's, you know, it's all orange. It's loud. You can't hear anything. Um, Literally. That third down for what was amazing. Oh, yeah. amazing. rocking. It's loud. Um, they piped in music. Their crowd noise in that game. You know, we were down till halftime. I was it 21 3, 21 7, something yeah. somewhere? We were down there. all the way we through the third. We were not playing well. We, no, we had a really bad first half. Into the yeah. fourth, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, second half, we start making some plays, moving the ball, scoring. Um, honestly, I think the play that sticks out to me the most in my entire career was, uh, was Shep's touchdown there in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, Bal- late in the game, the uh, place is loud. You know, on the sideline, we can't even see over there, so. We don't know what's going on. Um, it's on a third down, too, I think. 
believe it was a third or fourth down. Yeah, maybe third fourth, or fourth. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, you know, Shep catch, catches a fade in the end zone. The whole place goes silent. We don't really know what's going on. You find out it's a <laughs> touchdown. You know, place goes crazy. I'd say that's probably the most memorable moment, like a single play that I could come up with. Um, games, it would be that game or 2015 Baylor probably. Okay. Um, I'd probably stick with the 2015 season just because, you know, it's kind of a, in a sense, a comeback year. I mean, Definitely. not necessarily a comeback. I mean, we went eight and five, which – like I said, it's it was a turning point. But you got it, was, it, was a, it was a revival. It's good yeah. for a lot yeah. of programs, but it's not what we expect at Oklahoma. You know, yep. we, the year before, we went a Sugar Bowl against Alabama. You know, 2013 was a great season for us. Um, so I think 2015, you know, it was just a lot of fun. We uh, had a great season, kind of set the standard and, you know, turned things around to a better Was direction. that environment um, as intimidating, more intimidating than the Ohio State environment, would you say? I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, the Ohio State team in 17, I, I, it's a better team, obviously. You right. know, a lot more better players, NFL players. Uh, but OU was better as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had an entire NFL team on offense. You know, had some guys on defense. Um, I just think that place was so loud. Mm-hmm. Um, the checkerboard stands really stands yeah, out to me because it's, it's everybody it's a really, dressed the It's a the special part. environment. I mean, yeah. there's not a lot of places like that. Yeah, um, Knoxville I've gotten to go to a game at, at Jordan-Hare. Um, I think, honestly, probably the coolest football game I've ever been to is a kick-six game at Auburn. Mm. Mm. Um, I was in a student section that game. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, that's probably the coolest game I've ever been to, but that's, I mean, you know, Iron Bowl. That's something a lot of OU fans will become um, – more uh, knowledgeable on once they get in the SEC and you're playing those games. Mm-hmm. That's um, a historic game as well. I mean, yeah. That, that game was – Everyone that lives in that. that lives in yeah. lore. Yeah. Right? Well, and I think a lot of people, you know, like tailgating, you know, they've changed tailgating around campus and stuff. But, you know, obviously the stadium's sold out. But, I mean, how many fans do you think are outside the stadium during games? Yeah. Right. I mean, Today, maybe yeah. 20,000. 20. I mean, there's, there's, 100, there's 100 outside those stadiums, you know. Exactly. Um, so I think Tennessee, um, definitely Tennessee over the Ohio State, even though Ohio State was better, but, I mean, we were a lot better. Um, I think the Cotton Bowl is really cool. Um, yeah, tell Yeah, what's tell it like running that. out of the tunnel? You know. None of us will ever experience I, it. I, I don't run out of the tunnel. I'd go out before. I'm still working my way there. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't like how he's got no hope yeah, here. Exactly. I, you know, I mean, I'm an end zone analyst, so, I, I mean, I'll just – Sit above the tunnel. I'm still trying to be maybe the first 43-year-old walk-on. So, <laughs> it's oh. like, hey, anything's possible. Oh. Um, you know, a stadium that's truly split 50-50 down the middle. Um, two passionate, you know, very historic fan bases. You know, OU and Texas are two historically top five programs, in my opinion. Um, I know Texas hasn't been there the last, you know, 10 years or so. But Texas, in my opinion, should be a top five, top six team every year. Um, and, I mean, no matter what, I mean, we've been undefeated in those games, and they've been two and three, and they've been a terrible team, and it's still the environment's it's insane. I mean, yeah, you're almost more scared going into that type of game, yeah, because you're going to get their best shot. Yeah, when they got nothing to lose, and yeah. that's part of being Oklahoma is you're going to get everybody's best shot every week, and I mean, I think you guys see that. I mean, you know, teams like Iowa State and Kansas, who are historically not very good, they've gotten better in the teens and you know these early 2020s, and. That's a legit team that you play every week now. I mean, you can lose to them every week. Yep. Um, we almost lost to Kansas when we were in Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. And Caleb two Williams years. had yeah, to take ago. the ball away from Kennedy Brooks yeah. for that first down. I mean, and 
you know, Iowa State's always a solid team year in, year out. Kansas has become a lot better program. I mean, I think when you guys go up there this year, it's going to probably be a sold-out stadium. Yep. I mean, they started to sell crazy. games at the end of the stadium <laughs> or the end of the last season. Um, Leopold, he seems like a pretty good coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it seems like that. someone who's invested in it as well. He, it's not like it's a – Like Les Miles just that's not taking a, a job there. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's yeah. not using not it as some sort job. of launch point yeah. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and I, I think so. – I want to say he said something about, like, I'm here to stay. You know, a lot of guys would have had that year and gone. You know? I feel like Kleiman could be like that, too. Yeah, I mean, I, he I could think, be a K-State lifer. Who knows? I think Kleiman kind of fits the Kansas State archetype. And, you know, they Kleiman got a good fits thing going perfectly there. at yeah. Kansas State, for sure. I agree with that. Which would worry yeah. me if we were still staying yes, in the Big 12. I agree. That's one guy we've talked about having problems with. Is yeah. Kleiman's so, like, hard-nosed that well, and, you know, his teams reflect that. With, you know, sports have changed. There's so many better players and better athletes now. And if you think back to like the 2000s, I mean, every kid went to OU, Texas, what USC, Ohio State, Florida, LSU, yeah. Miami. Michigan, you know, there's yeah. probably eight teams, ten, ten to twelve schools. Yeah. Everybody gets players now, right? You know, L- Kansas they get four-star recruits now. Everybody gets good players. There's you know player development and the high school kids are better. Yeah, the player so, archetype is completely. Uh, Pittsburgh changed had for a Blitnikoff sure. two yeah. years ago. I yeah. mean, places like that are getting getting kids that. And then they're transferring out. Yeah. Pittsburgh had but Larry Fitzgerald, dude. They did. Yeah. Yeah. They no, did. No, that's, I mean, it's crazy. Well, what, it's what's interesting, too, up. is, you know, with the COVID with the COVID stuff, you get a lot of super senior teams, which <clears> you're still, you're still seeing the effects of it as well. Yeah. The you're still seeing the effects those. of it. I mean, those true no, freshmen I mean, that TCU year had a bunch of get that extra yeah, year. TCU last year was very old. Oak State's defense, which is so good, two years ago, was really old. You're talking about fourth and fifth that's going away, of course. We're yeah. evolving out of that opportunity for a lot of those schools. This would It'll be probably interesting be the last year of COVID kids, right? Yeah. Yep. Until the next plague. <laughs> yeah. So Thanks, what is China. your earliest OU game memory? I could probably remember maybe two or three seconds from the 2000 National Championship. Uh-huh. Um, How old were you at the time? Five. Okay. I was born in 95. Okay. Um, and so you're at that game. Not the game. Honestly, uh-huh. all I really remember is like what the like pregame party thing. Uh-huh. Like getting a smoothie with my mom. That's honestly right. the only thing I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Highlight of the day. Um, <laughs> maybe I remember being at the Fountain Blue, um, going down like a water slide, but uh-huh. very, very, very little. That's fine. Um, I want to say games that I actually remember. Um, probably the Boise State Fiesta Bowl. Okay. Maybe just because it's such traumatic to OU yeah. fans, um, it's oh, one of those things. It's an impr- that's and I call it the an imprinting moment. Game it's, in all of college football. It's kind of hard not to remember. Oh, um, yeah. I don't really remember much of like the 2003 national championship. Would have been eight. Yeah, um, 2004. It's funny when your mind as a kid. You weren't drunk on Bourbon Street like no. the rest of us were. Yeah, <laughs> no, not there yet. Two of um, us were drunk on Bourbon Street. That, <laughs> I was, I was that way the next Sugar Bowl, the 13 <laughs> one. But, yeah. Um, I would probably say Boise State, okay. just because it's. I mean, it's a really traumatic thing for yeah. everybody. It's kind of yeah. hard not to remember. Yeah. It is. As time has faded by, nice. it, it's not is bitter for me yeah they still but, show it but they oh yeah they every year it. you they get like the greatest it. moments you get like the, uh, uh-huh. a lot oh, it still hurts. <laughs> you know like those youtube compilations of like you know greatest college football moments right greatest games there's always that's always on there. the college football 150 that they well what's out a funny years is ago. on that two-point conversion if a defensive player makes a heroic play grabs that guy and, and throws him down at the one yard line yeah we don't hear about it yeah. We don't hear about it because or, it's not the upset. Or if we stop the hook and line. Even though they were yeah. favored. I still think, was it Marcus Walker? Marcus 
who's the DB? Or with we the may pick? have been favored and they were higher ranked. Uh, M Dub should have been on that team. If he goes, if he takes an E at the one instead of running into the end zone. Uh, didn't we need? I I forget. I I, I felt like we needed that touchdown. No. We didn't. No, we could have kicked a field goal to win. Oh, t- we well, yeah. we needed to score. We needed to score. Got it. Gotcha. But if he'd have taken a knee, which yeah, you probably never take that, that chance. Right. But we would have won that game too. Well, yeah, a lot of little things happened. Well, what I remember most about that game is the last time Adrian Peterson touched the ball, he went twenty five yards for a touchdown. For a touchdown yeah. yeah, that's that's how I choose to remember that game. Well, speaking of of players, what players stand out in your history there? That obviously in that quarterback room. There, but beyond that. What players and friendships and everything did you have that were memorable? I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, trying to think. If we go back to 2014, um, Jackson Yules was a guy I grew up with forever. Um, and he had transferred from Pitt State. Um, and so he was ineligible as well as Baker. So I spent a ton of time with Baker and Jackson that year. Um, was that scout team type stuff? No, so at that point I wasn't doing any scout team, um, but just like outside of football. Gotcha. Um, I mean, we'd go everywhere, eat, go out, everything. Um, Were you on the intramural softball team with Baker? I was not. <laughs> um, maybe my best friend through football, and I mean my, my closest friend in life was Nick Basquin. We were at OU the same years, 14 and 19. Um, so I think that just, you know, Made mm-hmm. our relationship better just because, you know, you're with that person every day. Yeah. Solidified mm-hmm. it, yeah. Um, I got really close with Creed Humphrey there at the end and Clayton Woods. Um, you should stay close to Creed. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing uh, pretty well. No, I'm close with both of them. Uh, Clayton's obviously the O-line GA. He's yeah. around. I worked with his brother when he was our uh, – he's an analyst. Uh, he's an offensive analyst and defensive analyst. And when I left, he was there for a year before he went to USC. Um the guys I'm closest to now that are still involved would be Nick Basquin, Clayton Woods. Um, really close with Creed. He's around. Um, Dimitri Flowers, somebody I came really good friends with. Uh, we ended up going to law school together. I didn't stick around, but he just finished and graduated a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Nice. Um, Is it I, pretty easy to form those relationships as you're it, when you're in those rooms with those guys and I, on the, the same field, age, especially on the field and off the field, like being able to yeah. relate to them, maybe I think like so. how the coaches can. Um, I think it's I just think of it as like I mean I don't if you're any clubs or fraternity you know or just an intramural team any type of club you're in if you're with those people in class outside of class you say you, you know kind share of similar with each interests other. Now, yeah. how did you have to walk the line out partying or uh, in public I didn't. okay didn't at all. <laughs> okay um He's a college kid at that time. Yeah, yeah I mean, I didn't, I didn't at all. Know. I, mean, I mean, even as a grad assistant, you're still a college kid. I didn't know if you were sat my, down and be like, hey, listen, you can't be seen drinking with these I guys mean, or whatever. Me and Lincoln had a conversation of kind of separating when I became the GA. Um, honestly, in 2018, I didn't at all. Um, <laughs> 2019, I, I really, most of my, my good friends weren't on the team anymore. Um, like Clayton Woods was still on the team, Creed, um, Nick. Eric Swenson, some of those guys I'd actually hang out with outside of football. Um, I didn't really spend as much time like going out as I did. So it sounds like as you got later into your career there that you were really transitioning into more of a coaching like role. Yeah. If if that's a safe way. It was less of like you know being associated and doing a little work, hanging out, Mm -hmm. you know, living on all the perks to more of actually having responsibilities and um, preparing and growing up sucks. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, so like 2018, my first full-time year. So I started January 2018 until so that first year. Um, I graduated early December 2017. So that first spring would have been my last year of college, right? So Kyler's, Kyler's season. Yeah, so I mean, I still lived it up like every other senior, <laughs> you know, going out Thursday yeah. through Saturday. Good for you. Um, and that season, which would have been my fifth year, I mean, I saw a ton of friends in school. So I do the same thing. I mean... When you want to do something, you're going to do it. I mean, even if it's sleeping three hours a night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're Power still going through. to get up. You're going to go to work. Go to work Monday, yeah. Um, Did Jalen Hurt surprise you, his success? No. I mean, it's hard to say. You know, he was very successful at Alabama. He's an extremely talented competitor. Um, not many people I've ever seen have the dedication and work ethic he has. Um, I mean, he's serious all the time there's no messing around um he's kind of a different personality there's not a, like when it comes to football at least there's not a lot of joking and smiling like we're here to work hmm. um which was something that i haven't seen a lot of people like that he was i mean since the day he got got here um i remember driving around those first two days like trying to get him an apartment um we went apartment shopping you know yeah. um He's just all about ball. I mm. mean, obviously, he's su super successful at Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, Thinking about the work ethic and his demeanor and what we see a little bit from afar, did he fit in real closely, or was he a little bit of a change and maybe even an oddball compared to the rest of the program and players? I would say there's some change, maybe a little oddball. He stood out. Um, I mean, he's a... <laughs> He's Oddball a in a good way. Yeah, obviously. No, obviously. Uh, he's a true professional. I mean, um, and it takes, I would say a lot of those kids, it takes time. Um, I mean, we were all 18, 19 once. We slept through class, didn't care, you know, didn't, weren't worried about anything else. But, you know, I think he was always that serious guy from day one. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, some people saw that and maybe admired it, which I think you should. Um I think some people probably followed it in his steps. Um, I think more people should probably be like that. Yeah. I mean, Do you think yeah. there was any sort of like um, maybe resentment of some guys? I'd say, say that's probably possible. Who's like, um, who are you to come in? And you know, he's somebody kind of. who's going to push everybody around him and demand the best from them. Um, really? You know, obviously people make mistakes. I don't think he's the type of person who accepts mistakes from anybody or even himself. Which that's interesting. I don't know if I ever kind of got that. And that, I think that's, I think where you see he's at now, it makes sense. Yeah. But in college, I think my, at least perception of him was he's going to go in, he's going to be professional within his specific area. Yeah. He's going to do everything he can to be good at that. I never, not that he wasn't a leader, but I also never got the vibe of I'm going to be the guy who's, you know, you look at. The Last Dance documentary where yeah. Michael Jordan is demanding everything from everyone. I don't think I ever got that vibe. So that that's an interesting insight. Maybe not to sure. that extreme. Yeah, but, but, I think but he to did, an extent, right? He was the guy who's make, who wanted everybody to be there on the routes, which everybody right. should be there. But even on days like it's Sunday, he's calling people up, hey, I want to go throw. You better be there. Yeah. You know? Um, I mean, he... Like, we're here to work. Like, yeah, let's go we're to here work. to work. You know, we're scholarship players at the University of Oklahoma. We're here to win. Yep. You know, we win championships, right? Let's, Let's go work. do it. Yeah. How did I bet that that was tough for Spencer? I was to say, how did Rattler handle that? He was going to be the heir apparent to start that season as a freshman. Yeah, you know, I I didn't spend a lot of time in the quarterback room 
um, besides spring ball when I was a GA. Um, during season, I mean, I got scout team stuff going on, so I, I wasn't around there as much. Um, I would, I don't really have much of an opinion on that, to be honest. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of weird because you had Mordecai there as well. Um, I felt like there's some tension there in 19, especially towards the end. Um, I remember that LSU game. I, I, had, I told Spencer and um, Mordecai to warm up, and then I, I told Spencer he was going in, and you could just kind of see the look on their faces. Some deflate. Of, some... You know, I think it kind of was telling to them of, you know, what's happening and what's, go- what's happening going forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So – what is your relationship, if anything, with Lincoln? You obviously had a relationship, a working relationship yeah. before. It ended strangely. Do you do you have any ongoing relationship? Um, you know, ever since I left football, I don't know if I've talked to him in person. Um, I kind of distanced myself just from, like, that life. I'd still go to the games and everything. <laughs> um, I mean, I have a ton of friends within the program that work. Um, I... I mean, I've talked to him on the phone a couple times. Um, I mean, I support him. I wish the best for him. He's, you know, he's given me some, you know, incredible opportunities not many people get in life. Um, you know, he kind of took me under his wing when he got here. Um, he allowed me to be his, you know, quarterback graduate assistant, which he's, you know, you get one, you know. So um, I, I went out to USC back in November and watched them play Notre Dame. Um, they, um, they let me sell the sideline for the game. You know, it was a really cool experience. Um, I didn't get to talk to him, but I mean, I, I support him. Um, I don't have any ill will against him. Um, how surprising was it when he left? I mean, I was as shocked as you guys were. I mean, honestly, it kind of hurt. Um, I think it hurt more for me because you guys, as you guys know, when a head coach leaves or gets fired everybody on the staff doesn't have a job right right yeah um so i kind of looked at it as like fuck like my dad doesn't have a job <laughs> you know yeah. like um you know a lot of my friends are huge Oklahoma fans and they're just talking you know f link and all this stuff i'm like guys like you don't you don't understand like yeah i don't know where yeah. my family's going to be in two months yeah. you know mm-hmm. you, you, um, you bring it to a very personal level that even sometimes myself and us maybe in this whole yeah. group we don't we yeah, we're not we, attached we to dis- it. We discount, yeah. right? Yeah. And and I, while we can acknowledge we can acknowledge the effect and the impact that something like that has, it's more of a passing conversation that leads into, well, you know, ill will or yeah. bitterness more yeah. so than anything else. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's a, that's a really interesting thing um, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was hurt. It really caught me by surprise. I remember that, you know, that post-game press conference after the OSU game, and he's like, what do you say? I'm not going to be taking the next the LSU, LSU job. Yeah. So everybody's relieved, right? You yeah. know, then we wake up Sunday. It's like, he's gone. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so was, and you saw it from one perspective on the inside that we didn't get a chance to see, but would you say that Lincoln Riley was or is predictable as an offensive coordinator? I would say predictable to an extent. I mean, everybody knows the offense, right? 
Um, yep. He's been trying to get hired on by Pac-12 we, coaches. I have a 78% rate of uh, guessing his play calls correctly from the end zone. We, I mean, that's, it's the base offense that started however long ago with Hal Mummy and, you know, Leach and everybody runs. It's the same play names to an extent. Um, I mean, we – It's still unstoppable. Ran, I mean, when I went out to that USC game, um, I could hear some of the calls, same names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Give us an example of that, because you know you hear a lot of when John Gruden talks. It's yeah. Spider Y Banana Thirty Three X or whatever. It's the most simple. So your base, like your your base drop back passes, it's called they're in the nineties. Yeah, tell tell Utah um, what they need to do this. <laughs> so like no, they got to figure your it out. Your formations <laughs> are one word. So two by two formations, ace, ace, right here, ace. Um, a, a scheme ninety five, ace ninety five. That tells them everything. They know it's crown protection. The quarterback's going to tell the line crown. He's going to signal 95, we're going. What, is, what does crown mean? Uh, Six-man pass pro. So backs in, check, and whatever his so route is. Sort of max protection. So no max protection. Okay. Max protection would be different. It's all really simple, though. All right. So the, the, the running back is staying put, though, to help block So he's, he's check if he's, you know, obviously six-man. It's six-man pressure, he's in. If it's if he's not, he's going to check, release. then he's going to release. Yeah. Um, 95, I mean, everybody knows their routes. Uh, so, so is that like, where so like XYZ has their X, route? XYZ. For... So okay. I give you 95, X is a vertical, H is speed out, Y is an over, Z is a post curl. So is that why we saw with stuff like that, with that simplicity, why we saw guys like Dimitri Flowers at the fullback position be so successful is because of play calls and schemes like that? Dimitri Meech... He was very successful because he's an extremely intelligent player. Yeah. Um, and he'll admit this. He's not the best athlete out there. He's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. But he knows how to play the game. You know, he's got a niche for, you know, feeling and how to release, how to run routes, you know, how to break routes, where to sit. Um, you know, we'd run a lot of plays with him where he's blocking down and he releases. Yeah. Um, he's just got a... He's a gamer. I mean, he's a yeah. gamer. He's just has a feel for it. Um, I mean, Dimitri Flowers, in a nutshell, to me, like his, def like at least for me and his whole career, the defining moment was that middle release that he had against Ohio State, where he yeah. catches it and runs, and it's like, oh, he's. I mean, it's going to be a good fifteen-yard game. Yeah, he's he just too. slipping, yeah, yeah, slipping around. We run the same play, yeah. just different formations. Um, and so, how complicated was it all? How many? plays how many formations do the, does he rely more on um one or the other in terms of keeping it off balance for the defense so we really wouldn't throw in a lot of special formations very often um maybe like a goal line or third down um we'd really run the same plays every week for the most part but what lincoln did when he was what he's able to do is he picks out let's say seven to 10 plays every week. And those are the plays they're probably going to score. So those are the plays like you see Marquise make a double move and just split the middle of the field and catch a seven yard touchdown. That's one of those plays. Um, so those like scripted essentially like, yeah, you know, so going our, in with their vulnerable on. Yeah. And those seven plays are going to be dynamite. So our, and everything else built around it is just some first downs. Yes. Yeah, so our script would be, we'd go open field and go 10 personnel, 11 personnel, 20 personnel. Let's, let's say there would be, 10, 10 personnel plays, but that's ace. That's two by two. That's trips right, trips left. 
Um, basically, I mean, for the most part in that offense, you can run any play out of any formation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we're in a game and we like how we're seeing something, we might not even, we might start running a play that's not even on the script. But it's one of our base plays that we've ran a thousand times. Um, Just in a different iteration yeah, with, with a formation. Yeah, that, yeah. So, I, what, to be successful in that offense, especially as a receiver, you need to know your routes and everybody else's routes on every play. And that's why some guys like Dimitri Flowers are so successful because he could go out there and he could play Y. And Y's was like Mark Andrews, Sterling Shepard, Lee Morris, Grant Calcaterra. Or you could go to the other side and play H. Um, H is your smaller guys, like Nick Vasquez played H. But H, when we'd go in 11 personnel, H is in the backfield. So that's where Meech was the H in the backfield. Um, we'd run a lot of base stuff, to be honest. We'd run, you know, our uh, GT scheme, you know, guard tackle pullers. Um, yeah. We killed everybody in the Big 12 on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, GT counter, his, all that yeah. stuff, yeah. Does his offense depend more so than others on a superstar quarterback or superstar play? I would say you just got to have a guy who can throw the ball. I mean, if you look at, I mean, everybody runs a form of it, whether it's, you know, my uncle Mike ran it forever. Dana runs it. Um, Mike Leach, obviously. But I think the difference is, you know, like Mike Leach and them, they throw for 4,000 yards a season, but go, what, seven and five? Yeah. We had a lot better players. Um, none of those guys could run the ball like we could. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what separated Lincoln from all those other, you know, air raid offenses. Because we'd go out and run the ball 20, 30 times yeah. a game for 200, 250 Offensive yards. lines. And how yeah. much of that was beat and bow and how much of that is scheming? So I think when, when Bob brought Lincoln in, he wanted to go back to, like, you know, the spread air raid type offense. But I think he, you know, he made it clear, I want to run the ball still. It's Oklahoma. We run the ball, right? After we the have, Texas game in 15, that was the, yeah. the uh, we, preach. We have, you know, NFL running backs year in and year out. We have NFL linemen all over the place. We're going to pound people. We're going to run the ball. So I think that's the difference is, is Lincoln was able to adapt to that. And obviously his first offense, his two running backs were Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. Yeah. I mean, you got two NFL players. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Not just Joe Mixon, is a, he's a Heisman talent player. Which yeah. Lincoln probably had to adjust to coming from ECU, yeah. where it's just not what he had. Yeah, and, you know, they, they ran the ball to ECU. It was more simple zone, outside zone, um, 30 base. They didn't really run the GT like we were now. Um, I mean, GT became our base, base mm -hmm. run play. So you brought up something that is interesting. You contrast a little bit with Mike. Ex explore that a little bit. So your uncles had tremendous success at Oklahoma State. Definitely a second-tier program, so he's got a headwind right there that it's going to be more difficult to win there. You're yeah. not going to get the recruits. I know we have a different view probably on the Oklahoma State program than you do because your entire life was your uncle running it, and we have a different history there. Um, we don't root for him the same way you probably root for <laughs> him and, and to succeed, but he's unde undeniably had tremendous success relative to the program. He's yeah. their most successful coach. How different is the way he conducts an offense and the way his his strategies work compared to, say, Lincoln? So I've, it's hard to say because I've never been in those rooms. Um, I would say I feel like 
one thing that he's always done is he gets the most out of his players. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's no question there. I, I have yeah. a hard time answering that just because I've never been in those rooms. I've never sure. been in those off. I don't know their OCs. I don't. I've never been around them, and you know, in a they've gone through a bunch of OCs too. Yeah, and he's had a ton of great ones. Whether it's yeah. you know Dana or Fedora. Yeah. Um, and that probably speaks loudly to your to Mike a lot is through all those transitions. He's still consistently producing yeah. success. Kind of surprisingly right? consistently producing success. He'll I mean, yeah, we, we sent out the tweet going. the other day, the longest uh, longest winning season streak. Yeah. And they were fourth or fifth on the list with like 15 straight or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it is a testament to what he has done there. And I, I think, I think he will be, I don't, I don't anticipate anybody else being a, considered a better coach at Oklahoma State than what Mike Gundy is. It'd be very, I think, very hard I think to get when, there. when Mike leaves, I think it is going to be, I don't want to say a downturn in the program, but it's going to be it's going to be tough to recover from. Yeah, well, it's a sure. stepping stone job for like a less miles and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it's a stepping stone job Jimmy for Johnson. 99% of the coaches Jimmy who are going to go there. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, Mike's through and through. I mean, So they're going to obviously be in the Big 12 without Oklahoma after next year. Yeah. Um, what what do you think that does for Oklahoma State? Where do you think they position themselves versus the other teams? Not just the teams coming in, but maybe more importantly, the teams that are in the conference now that have established themselves. Yeah, so you'll still have, you know, TCU, South K-State. I would say those are your best two teams, right? I mean, does anybody disagree? TCU, K-State are probably your best two? I think yeah. I think so. Baylor's got to be pretty competitive. Ba- I would say Baylor's. Baylor's there and getting better than Texas Tech. Tech, like we talked yeah. about earlier, they're getting yeah. better, right? I'm going to have to see more than just the one year from TCU. Um, you I think know, Sonny Dykes is a good coach. I was, they were old. I was really yeah. surprised that he didn't go to Tech because his that's, dad, yeah, I mean, that's the one of the first job. road game, well, not probably the third or fourth road game that we went to together was mm-hmm. in Lubbock on Spike Dykes' last home game okay. when yeah. we lost. Yeah. To Cliff Kingsbury came in as a third quarterback off the bench yeah. and beat us, and it was horrible. But Spike Dykes was a legend at Texas Tech, uh, so I'm really surprised that 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 wasn't Sonny's So, I think you're talking, you know, you still got K-State, TCU, which TCU, I think K-State's there to stay. I think K-State will continue to be one of the top teams in the Big 12. And I think Mm -hmm. Baylor's up there, too. I think TCU's going to go up and down. Um, Mm -hmm. They have a lot going for them. You know, they're in the DFW. They're they're always going to have good skill players, which they always have and they always will. Um, You know, Baylor, I'm not sold on Aranda, to be honest. You know, they... Hmm. I don't know. They ha- he hasn't shown me since he's been there that they're going to be great. Well, they definitely slipped this past year. Yeah. Now, the two things that both you mentioned, Baylor and Texas Tech, have going for them is Texas money. Yep. They've got oil money. They've got big donors. K-State's got tremendous fan support. Mm-hmm. You probably saw it when you were there on the sidelines yeah. and everywhere else. We saw it in the stands. They show up for that team. They do. I think, I think, and I think they have recruiting to their advantage in that area as well. They do. You know, K-State takes players that we don't recruit, that OU doesn't recruit, OSU probably doesn't recruit. A lot of Tulsa guys. They take, you know, they've, they Kansas have City. they have a stronghold there in Tulsa. They always have, and they get those kids. They they recruit, you know, a lot of Kansas kids nobody else takes. They, you know, they develop their players. I think Kleiman's I mean, they'll have Lockett's playing for them for the next 50 years yeah. probably. I think Kleiman's a legitimately um, good coach as well, though. So yeah, I agree. They're tight end coach, Brian LePac, um, somebody I'm really close with. He played at OU. Uh, he went to law school to OU after he got them playing. He went to uh, Indiana to be Wilson's uh, O-line GA. He came back to OU, so he was the O-line GA with me. 
he's their tight end coach, and he I've talked to him about it a few times, and he he's, he loves the guy. He thinks he's awesome. Um, he was one of the names we mentioned when Lincoln left. We we said Venables and Kleiman, Kleiman, yeah. and then Aranda. We, we talked about Aranda, but that was that was pretty much our list was those three guys, honestly. So I guess going back to the you know the, the post OU Texas Big Twelve. Um, you know, West Virginia's gone downhill. Yes. Yeah. They've, since, what, 2012, 2013, yeah. they've just continued to go downhill. Ever since they, they lost Will Greer. Eight, they were good in 18. That was a they, flash in the pan. They were good in 2018. They had that little run there with Dana at the end. Um, but since then, they haven't been good at all. Doesn't seem like they're serious about football either. No. I don't know if, if the location mm-hmm. just hurts them somehow. I, well, yeah, I think the, so. The conference that they're playing in has no ground yeah, in, it, you know, it's there. weird because they recruit up and down the East Coast. They get yeah. a ton of Florida kids. Yeah. Um, but they just haven't had success in the last three or four years. Um, who else is there? How about the ones coming in? How about Dana and Houston? Yeah, but I, I don't mean, think they, they were, care about They haven't been very good the last couple of years either. Yeah. yeah. And they just lost a bunch of players. They I mean, lost a bunch of starters. They have the ingredients to be good. They're in a hotbed of recruiting, so, but my, they're just my not dad, a program. We've talked about this it. forever. If Houston was in the Big 12, they could be one of the best programs. Um, obviously, you saw the, the changes now because of NIL and the portal, but, I mean, it's Houston. You yeah. don't have to leave the city to recruit. Right. I mean, there's, Theoretically. there's probably 100 players from Houston that are D1 players, maybe more. So yeah. will they make a run coming up into the Big 12? I don't know. I mean, C- I don't Cincinnati's know. got – Ohio's a hotbed for recruiting too. I, Cincinnati's going to go downhill after Fickle Lee. After I, Fickle I, Lee I agree with that. Yeah. And I think, you know, if this was – if we didn't have NIL, I think this would be a different conversation. Just because Houston and Cincinnati, they don't have the money that Texas, you know, down the street or Ohio State has. So those kids that they could go get because Ohio State or, or you know, Texas, Texas A&M, didn't offer A and M, they can get those they can get those kids, but they can't pay them. So they may go there for a year, but then they're leaving. Um, and they probably don't have a donor base who wants to pay them. Yeah, they're just not no. interested in it. I don't think they do. So. I want to transition to something. Um, we can come back to that because you've got a lot to share on that too. But uh, I don't want to have you uh, sit here and not tell us a little bit about what it's being, what it's like being a coach's son. Yeah. So what, what was the fun stuff and the difficulty, especially when you were young? I imagine that's a very demanding job with weird hours. Yeah. He's off on recruiting trips. He is um, late nights, especially during the season. He's probably spending – been a Crazy lot of time with other kids time. too. Yeah. yeah. What is that like? You know, it's different. I, it's the only lifestyle I know. So, um, you know, there's a lot of time he was gone, obviously. Um, I think my dad did the best he could to be at everything he could. Um, you know, whether it was, you know, football games in the fall, um, which we played on Sundays over at Reeves. So that mm-hmm. was, you know, he could go to those games. But I, I, I'd say this point needs to be made that Bob Stoops did an incredible job of like allowing his staff to be fathers. Um, that was very mm. important to Bob that they, you know, they're around their kids. Um, we well, did him this. being a coach's son was probably yeah. a lot of that because he, yeah. he probably didn't get to see his dad as much he, as he wanted to. Um, you know, and Lincoln was the same way. And there's a lot of guys like this. And there's some that aren't. They don't want you missing your kids, whether it's a game or a recital. You know, they want you to be a father. Um, you know, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a father, you're a football coach, but you're a father. I mean, mm-hmm. family goes first. Um, you know, he, there's stuff he missed, but I mean, I understood. Um, I mean, I get it. It's the only life I knew. And, you know, my other friends, whether it's like Caleb Wilson and, 
some other kids I, they were going through the same thing so that's kind of all i knew mm -hmm. um and they brought you guys around the program yeah a lot as well, and right? so we do family dinner every uh i think every wednesday night so everybody go up there wednesday night we'd eat dinner together all the coaches all the families um that's awesome so that was always a cool thing um and it was just it's you and just your sister right yeah okay yeah um, you know, my dad coached some of my baseball teams when I was little in the spring and the summer, mm. um, up until I was probably like 11, 10, mm -hmm. 11. Um, so, you know, it's a different experience. I would say I got closest with my dad in college. Um, I would say my relationship changed a lot with him once I got to college, just because I was with him every day. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whether it's meetings or games or like we roomed together on all the road trips. <laughs> That's special. Yeah, that um, nice. So, I mean... Monday through Friday, whether it was in season or out of season, there's a set time from two to six, probably two to six p.m. I was around them every day, mm -hmm. or Monday through Friday, mm -hmm. um, which is, I mean, I don't think most kids get to see their parents like that, especially in college. Um, no, yeah. for sure not. No, so, I mean, that unsolicited time is. Um, yep. You know, I was getting to spend time with them every day, and you know, Friday nights on road trips, we'd go to dinner, me and my dad, and. Beatenbow, Drew Hill, Woody, you know, all the guys. That was kind of like our deal on road games. We'd go eat Friday nights. Um, it's, you know, it's a really cool relationship. Um, I think it's kind of hard to explain unless you've experienced it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would, I think the only way I, you could really compare it to be somebody in the military maybe, mm -hmm. but probably not to the extreme because people get deployed and they're gone for six months. Well, my dad wasn't gone for six months. He was busy for six months, but, you know, he wasn't gone. Um, well, something that you mentioned earlier while we were walking back from dinner, thinking about the military kid um, and lifestyle, military family, you didn't have to suffer through what a lot of mil uh, military and coaches' families do where the guy is moving between programs all the time. Sir. You had the, the benefit of being yep. able to be in this one place this whole time. That's got to be really nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm the only coach's kid that, besides stoops you know uh -huh. people that are here that live basically their entire life in one spot that's awesome um we lived almost four years in birmingham i don't remember any of it <laughs> um i was born in midwest city we moved out there and i was three weeks old we moved back when i was almost four so i i don't remember any of it mm -hmm. um you know like my uncle mike he moved back from maryland what, 2001 mm -hmm. 2002 so my cousin Gavin, I mean, he was born in Waco and they went to Maryland, but I don't think he remembers any of that. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's different. Um, like we were talking about earlier, I have a couple of friends that went to three high schools. Mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. one, Caleb Wilson, he was in Starkville, Mississippi, Athens, Georgia. Then they were out in, in L.A. I mean, that's, that's a lot of moving. That's a lot um, of moving. And well, it's got to be special, too, to have the, the family, extended family. you yep. got your cousin and your uncle um, where everybody – one, they understand the business because they're they're all in the business, yeah. or the you know the two big breadwinners they're in the business. They they sort of an understanding and probably build around that to understand how to to do it all. I would imagine it's a little tough going out to dinner. Your dad gets recognized. Obviously, your uncle would get recognized. Yeah. It's got to be a little semi celebrity lifestyle when you're around here. Ah, uh, maybe a little. Not I mean, too bad. It's nothing special. Um, <laughs> you know, it's more people saying, "Hey, coach." Yeah. Um, 
It's not like people are harassing or anything. No, um, no. I think just more like the attention. And it's really just in Oklahoma. I mean, you go yeah. out of town, I mean, nobody know. knows who my dad is. <laughs> that's, um, that's kind of a nice feature. People <laughs> might recognize Mike, especially because right. of the hair and stuff. I was going to say, um, with or without the mullet. <laughs> yeah, well, and just his viral moments. But, um, <laughs> what? what viral moments? <laughs> <laughs> go to YouTube. He's a man, he's 40. Yeah. What are you talking about? Is, is, you know, his post-game <laughs> dancing. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think all, all those things is, is sometimes cringeworthy and, and strange as they are. They're also um, kind of admirable, especially when he was defending his players and yeah. standing up for them. So this is this is cool. kind of on topic. What is Thanksgiving like? Is it family? Go is watch it family News 9. They did a special one. Is it <laughs> just football? What is it? It's just family. I mean, don't they didn't I mean the one story that I watched about the Gundy Thanksgiving because it was always up until. Mid two thousands, late late twenty two thousands, we played OSU game yeah, every, after Thanksgiving. Every right. Saturday after Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. So I, I remember they did one special on the on the Gundy family, and um, I remember seeing. You know, we strictly don't talk about football. We, do, we I don't mean, talk. We talk football. I mean, but you don't it, talk about. It just about, wouldn't be you know. like OU. It wouldn't be bedlam. Right. I mean, we'd sit there and. Who, Texas and Texas Tech would always play on Thursday, right? And te Texas, Texas a name would play on Friday. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, you yeah. know, whoever's playing, we'd watch. You'd talk ball, talk other things. I mean, I brought, I think my sophomore year, I was living with Mark Andrews, Wesley Horky, Alex Dalton, and Carson Meyer. I brought all four of them. Um, they came, and that's <laughs> – and then Joe Mixon came too, and that's, you know, five guys who played two nights wow. before Bedlam. I mean, nobody cares. Um, and your dad, and, your dad and Joe were real close, right? Yeah, no, we're really close with Joe. Um, I haven't made up to Cincinnati yet. I'm hoping to this fall, but we've gotten to watch him play in Kansas City the last two playoffs. Nice. Um, he's taken care of us both those games, giving us incredible tickets. Um, How does that feel when you see, like, Creed yeah. on the Chiefs and you got – Joe and P Ryan on on Cincinnati playing well, each and, other. And you it's got kind of a rough. You got Blake Bell, who yeah. I went yeah. to school with. I'm close yep. with. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you root for? Yeah, Winchester. I I you root for football. I lean towards the Bengals. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, I like them both, but I I I would say I was biased towards the Bengals in those games. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I support the Chiefs too. I mean, I'm really close with Creed and Blake. They're um. I mean, they both live around here. Blake lives in Moore, right down the street from both of us. Um, what uh, what did you have an NFL team growing up? So don't tell me you're a Dallas Cowboys. Fan. I didn't have. <laughs> He's a Patriots fan. So it's weird. <laughs> I'm not really a fan of any team. Hmm. I would say the only one I've always kind of liked the Yankees. Um, whether it's you know Jeter and those guys. I was a big Mark Teixeira fan when he got traded there or he got signed there. Um, I don't really have any pro teams. I, I really root for players. So NFL, I root for players. Um, Same. Gravitate towards stories and yeah, you can get I, behind one. And then I, next season you might be rooting for somebody it, completely it's, different. It's really just guys I know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I, I went out back in October. I went to a Cardinals game. Kyler got me tickets. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I support Kyler. Mm -hmm. um, you know, wherever Baker's at. It's just any of those guys. I mean, I, I want the best for them. I mean, same with others like NBA. I just root for players and give us a prediction because you've got a little bit of insight into the three of them between Kyler Baker and Jalen. Who, at the end of the day, is going to have the best NFL career? I would probably say Jalen, and he's got the head start. It's a head start, and it's you know, it's it's you know, it's great to be the first pick in the draft and everything. But what does that mean? You're going to the worst franchise yeah. in football, right? <laughs> So you're going to be on the worst roster on the worst team. Um, 
Jalen got drafted to a team that a couple down years, but has, you know, Hall of Fame players. Yeah. One of the best offensive lines ever played football. An, an organization um, and a fan base that wants yes. to win football games. Yeah, and they won a Super Bowl in 2016, mm-hmm. you know, not too long ago. Um, you know, that's the difference is what could Baker or Kyler do on that team? Mm-hmm. Maybe they couldn't do what Jalen does. I don't know. But I know I've watched a lot of Kyler's games, and he's running for his life every play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if he had an offensive line, if you know, if he got drafted to the Cowboys, for instance, it's a lot better roster than the Cardinals. Um I would just say off projections right now, I, I couldn't say it's not going to be Jalen. Mm-hmm. Um, He's yeah. definitely set up for the most success, yeah. for sure. I, I think, at least, well, and their skill. I mean, between Smith and A.J. Brown. Um, I mean, what Baker Goddard. did with the Browns was incredible based yeah. on their, yeah. their well, lifelong you know, of losing. It's crazy that the fan base looks at it the way they look at it, too. But that's the Browns. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, the Browns. it's ridiculous that they turned on him kind of like um, they You know, they had... What what they go eleven and five one year they had mm-hmm. two pretty good years there right they won yeah. a playoff they game, won a playoff against game. Pittsburgh yeah, yeah. oh and sixteen playoff, I mean they, they were forever. they were a touchdown away from going to the AFC championship yeah, yeah. um you know I I just think Jalen and the situation he's in they have such a good mix of old and young talent right they have an O line where they drafted uh what's Dickinson from Bama yeah um and Mylotta, the left tackle is a young guy and you got you know Kelsey and Lane they're old guys but they got two or three more years in them right yeah Lane can yeah. stay healthy um, yeah. they got two All Pro I mean I don't I, I'm assuming AJ Brown's an All Pro receiver yeah um, Devontae Smith will be there Dallas Goddard's you know one of the best tight ends they have and those guys will probably play there the rest of their career so he's got three three skill players who's not going to lose I don't think. He's got an O-line of, you know, two Hall of Fame guys that will retire in the next, let's say, two or three years. But he's got two young guys who are great players. The defense is a mix of young and old players. That yeah, they've only really drafted good. Bama and Georgia Yeah, they only, players, they only so. put all their first and second round picks in defensive players. And they have an year. offensive coordinator that tailors their game for yeah. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that, and I mean, his skill set yeah. with, with an offensive coordinator that is willing to let him run is it's unstoppable, yeah. really. Well, and the, you, it, it seems like, at least from the outside looking in, you have a team that is bought in to what they're trying to do. Yeah. You've got a lot of guys who want to be there. And whereas, you know, you go and you look at the Cardinals, where they have guys like DeAndre Hopkins, but Hopkins is a little no. egotistical. There's a lot you know of guys I mean? there. Just so, I, mean, I don't know how check. many people bought in on Kingsbury exactly. either there. Mm-hmm. Honestly. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it'll be interesting to see see that. I'm, I'm excited to see Baker in Tampa. I think that's, I that'll be yep. interesting to see. I agree. So They have a good roster. Yeah, yeah. Mike Evans is a beast, so he's yeah. got that going yeah, for him. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've... And uh, Godwin. I mean, he's, Godwin? A, he's a yep. damn yeah. good receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Really Baker's fast. got it on his on his fingertips. So, we'll see. I I think it's pretty cool to get an insider's insight into that who's seen those guys and, and been around those guys, for I, sure. I think we can't count out Baker or Kyler yet, either. I mean, those guys... I mean, they're Heisman winners and number one picks for a reason. They have tons of talent and ability. And they're, um, if, if, like you said, if they're not running for their yeah, lives, I think, what can they do? You know, Baker showed he could be a decent quarterback up there. He had some success I there. mean, I, I think decent's not giving him enough credit yeah. for, for how, much, right. how much bad, how bad his offensive line was, really. Yeah. Other, pass blocking. Yeah. For some reason, that offensive line could run block oh, yeah. because they had two running backs that could get the job done. But it didn't seem like he had enough time to throw open his receivers because – 
on the pass on the passing plays. It's just they want. You got to get you got to get coordinators who want who want to tailor their game like like well, they're Baker doing for Jay. Yeah, he had four four, four years. Four yeah. Offense, yeah. And, four, and, yeah. and that's not fair to him yeah. either. You not know? at all. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Sean McVay. Nomenclature, new schemes. I mean, having to learn that every year. going to have six in six years now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, he's been on three NFL teams in the last year. Rams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that'll be his it's fifth. His fifth, and then Tampa's sixth. His sixth. Yeah. And Carolina. Um, well, we have some listeners. <laughs> oh, Carolina. He's got seven. Yeah, seven. Right. yeah. We yeah. have some listener wow. questions, it's... but before we get to those, I have a question for you. I want you to uh, apply your analysis skills to the quarterback situation at OU coming into 2023. How do you evaluate that? And don't hold back. Uh, let us know what you think about it. Where do you think it's going to go? How successful can they be? Um, et cetera. Um. I mean, I think Dylan's your guy, obviously. Um, I think Dylan's a good quarterback. He's, you know, he's done a good job. I, I think a lot of people expect him to be a Jalen Baker, Kyler, and I, I just, I don't think that's him. Um, I think they might have expected it last, last year, year, not yeah. so much this year. <laughs> yeah, right. But you know, he, oh, you had a good offense last year, in my opinion. Yeah. They maybe they didn't throw the ball as good as you had hoped, but they I mean they ran the ball, they scored points, right? Um, I think we had trouble in third and shorts situations. They, they struggle in third we downs. We didn't really have a power. We had a lot back. of three and outs in general. Yeah. Um, I think well, the, the clock downs, management was horrific yeah. last season. Third downs might have been a struggle. Um, I mean, I Dylan's your guy in my opinion. Um, Do you think Jackson Arnold can take the job from him? I don't. I I think the there's two reasons why Jackson Arnold will be on the field. One, to use his four games to uh, keep his red shirt at the end of the games. Well, or, t- or two, things are going really, really, like worst case scenario, and you got to take Dylan out. Or injury. Or injury. Or injury, yeah. yeah. How do yeah. you, at, when, did you watch, you watch every game, even if you're not there? I watched most of them. Most of them. <laughs> um, I, even when I was still going the games, I'd sit in suites. I wouldn't watch games. I'd yeah. go up and down, talk to people, talk to, have yeah. fun. Um, what is it like? Do you, do you get frustrated with clock management and, and the, the minutia of stuff? That, like That's the stuff I focus it, on a lot. It's really easy to get frustrated with a lot of things you see. Um, you know, it's not specifically OU, but a lot of, you know, lesser teams or teams that aren't as good you know there's a lot of times you sit there and you're like this guy's making this much money he doesn't know how to do this you know stuff like that and i'm sure you know fans see that the same way but you know you can when you when you're in the profession you spend so much time in it you see things that the common fan doesn't whether it's you know schemes or tendencies and you're like well why aren't you doing this you know like the offense coordinator is making five hundred thousand dollars. Does he not see this or a million dollars? You know, or the head coach is making. Well, that's how we. That's how we feel about clock management or timeouts. And like, is there, is there nobody on the sideline, sc- literally screaming like? So I, I don't run the stop ball. snapping the football with 25. nineteen seconds left yeah. on the clock so when you're trying to preserve a lead. Like, what I, are you doing? I never worked with with these with Levy in this offense, mm. with Lincoln. Lincoln's on top of everything when it comes to football. We, we're talking everything. We're going over everything. Um, one of the things I was responsible for during plays was 10-second clock. So when it got down 10 seconds, I had to let him know. Um, if, it, you know if we got to delay a game, I only had one time it was my fault. Every other time it was his fault. <laughs> um, what did he say to you? 
Oh, lots. I, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I don't even remember. It's uh, great to have somebody game? To do that, though. Yeah, it was uh, TCU at TCU 2018. Um, Grant caught a ball or got hurt and he came off and he was talking to me. And actually, I checked. It wasn't my fault. So they TCU <laughs> was setting the play clock. We'll, re we'll review the film. T yeah. I, I checked it. TCU, oh, yeah. <laughs> TCU was setting the play clock to 25 instead of 40 between plays. So, oh. you know, after every play, there's 40-second play clock, right. right? So they were setting at the 25 and starting it immediately. So you should have 15 seconds, then the 25 starts, right? So that 25 is starting immediately. Okay, so, okay, but not to interrupt you. Why does something like that not get relayed to officials immediately and why do they not adjust to it immediately because people aren't paying attention okay um mm. so yeah so grant i think grant caught a ball and like had a stinger and he came off and he's talking to me and this is maybe what 15 seconds later i mean we're talking yeah. not a, not a lot of time mm -hmm. the next thing like a couple seconds later i look up we get a delay a game and i mean i i can't even there's a lot of motherfucks <laughs> and fucks and uh where the fuck are you and i was just kind of like I was like, man, the play just ended 10 seconds ago. Like, I, I don't know what happened. Um, and so on Sundays, I'd, every Sunday, I'd have to go back and watch the game tape, mm -hmm. look for signals, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I saw that it was set in the 25. <laughs> and I was like, man, fuck that. Like, that kind of pissed me off. Like, you know, everybody's looking at me, getting, getting yelled at on the sideline. It's not even my fault. And I, I was like, I went there. I was like, coach, man, they're set at 25. He's like, yeah, just don't let it happen again. I was like, okay. Is, is there <laughs> I'll a make lot sure of, they don't do that on yeah. the clock again. Is You're there right. a lot of signal stealing? Yeah, I mean, there is. Um, so we had taken – so 2017 TC, you guys might remember the play. Uh, we had their crash signal. Uh, we had a play. I want to say we called it Cowboy. Rodney Anderson, they brought crash, went out to show that he's blocking the corner release. We hit it Rodney up going up our sideline. Yep. Um, there is signal stealing, but like with Lincoln's offense, we go so fast for the most part, it doesn't matter. It's the same signals for years. Mm -hmm. yeah. Same formations everybody's using for years. Mm -hmm. Same play calls, same signals. Hmm. But, I mean, you got to think, you could still signal, but there's a lot of shit going on. Um, so if I'm in the box stealing signals and I'm on the defensive staff, I got to wait till the defense coordinator is done yelling. Look, they all do. They're all freaking out every play, right? So by, that, by the time... He's done yelling and freaking out. There's probably 10 seconds left on the play clock. I'm like, hey, it's, you know, they're running four verts, four verts. So by the time he hears that, like, figures it out, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Defense can adjust. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, a guy like, you know, Gary Patterson ran their defense. Um, he's the only signal guy. He's over there freaking out the whole time doing signals as soon as the play's over. So you can get stuff like that. Hmm. I mean, you can, like, I can watch a USC game and I can watch and I can pick up all their signals for the most part. Unless it's new formations or plays that they changed, um, which you know year by year we change signals sometimes on some stuff. But I just—it's not like baseball where you mm -hmm. can say you could you know pick up curveball and if you're on second base you can sure. put your hands on your head and that means it's curveball, right? Or if you're the Yankees, you know you're sending a couple beeps or hitting the roof of <laughs> the, the dugout. Yeah. Um, what are you hearing in your headphones on the sideline? So there's a when I was. When I was coaching, most of the conversation was between Lincoln and my dad. So my dad was up in the box. He was the eyes. Um, so Lincoln would, you know, he'd have talks with my dad during, you know, between plays, during plays, like, hey, what, what do you think, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then he'd want to know what's going on. So 
we on Fridays we'd have already talked about where everybody's looking at pre-play. So, um, you know, my dad's looking at the Z up top. Ty Darlington's looking at the Y. We're looking at the two receivers on our side, stuff like that. Or Ty's looking at rotation in the uh, in the back or in the uh, secondary. So they're looking like at far that. side because they're up top. Yeah, so okay. stuff like that, which we've already covered all this on Friday. Everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. So a lot of it, you know, my dad be like, you know, two safeties, uh, they're, rolling, they're rolling strong here. Um, stuff like that. Um, which unless there's a lot of time left, you'll see Lincoln change plays pretty late a lot of times. Um, which he did. I mean, he's not afraid to make a play call late, you know, change things up. If we're like, oh, we're getting edge from the field here. Let's run outside zone into it. Stuff like that. Does he let his quarterbacks make a lot of decisions? Yes. So he, I think, like I, I wasn't around in like hypo meetings in 2014, so I can't speak on a lot of that stuff. Lincoln does a a tremendous job of of preparing the quarterbacks week in and week out. We go through. um, So our scout team, we'd go against scout team. We'd give you every look, every blitz, every look possible, and we'd go full speed. So he would spend time in the meetings coaching all those. He'd let the guys just play. During practice, we'd play, you know, you fuck up, you fuck up. We'll, we'll talk about it after, right? So by the time Saturday comes around, you've seen that blitz and every coverage imaginable with it. So you've seen every look. So those guys, you know, they know their cues. Um, I think Lincoln does a tremendous job with that. I think that's a big part of him developing quarterbacks and their success. Um, you see those guys making checks all the time. Uh, whether it's Baker, Kyler, Jalen. Are they controlled checks then because they've got a, a, a repertoire of what they can run through? So there, there are controlled checks. I mean, sometimes you might look over and say, I got CD's lamb at X and <laughs> I like him versus that corner. I'm throwing a fade to him. I'm, you know, I'm How do they six. communicate that? How does, yeah, how he, does CD know that? Uh, signal. So um, just a little signal this. That's vertical. This would be vertical. Okay. So um, how does Lincoln give the that's good go? So lots of times you see like Kyle, so there's there's two ways he might give them like two plays he'd give them the signal and then tell them think about maybe think about I don't know um, Mets which is GT to the right um, or he might look over there and somebody's like man you got a good matchup over there at X and you know sometimes whether the quarterback Baker might see it you know Baker might be like you know, like I got Ceedee Lamb over there so um, it really only matters if. Baker or whoever the quarterback is and Lincoln are on the same page. The yeah. receiver's running the route well, regardless. And when it, a lot of the stuff, when it comes to third downs, we have a third down check for every play. I, there's a lot of man zone beaters. Um, you know, lots of, you'll see lots of people do it. It's third and medium, third and long. You send a guy in motion. Why are they doing that? See if it's man or zone, right? Mm, right? See how are they rocking the safeties? You know, what are our checks? Stuff like that. So a lot of it, they know what they're supposed to check to. But mm. there's sometimes Lincoln might just you know, look out there and like something and try to change it to that. And it doesn't, and the receiver doesn't need to know because he's supposed no, to the just receiver do his knows. job. So the signals are easy. They're subtle. So like there was only, we only had a couple signals for like inside run. So like if he looks over and he gives you this, it's inside run. You know, if it's two away from you, your rules. What would you tell me that again? Just this right here. A little fist, little fist. Okay. Yeah, basically just a fist to the side. So that, that told the receivers if it's inside run, and they know if they're to the call or away from the call, what their rules are. Are they blocking for the run or are they blocking for the quarterback pull? Um, or, I mean, if he, if we're in, you know, trips, you got trips to the right, we're running a, you know, a run play and he looks over the X, 
He likes, it's a man, you might call a slant. Mm -hmm. He just looks over, does that. It turns into an RPO because we're so, it's still going to be a run call, but he's going to throw the ball pretty quick. So is that a, a difference maker as a um, one talent a receiver or running back would have, the ability to pick up on that and change on the fly? I mean, you could have a guy who's super fast and maybe has good hands, but if he can't pick up on that, he can't dynamically change in the game. Does that yeah. ever come up and you say, you're not going to be my starter until you can figure that out? I mean, I think you see that more with younger guys. Okay. Um, I think it's kind of expected. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand the transition and how much different it is from high school to college. And that's why I stay in college to the NFL. I mean, how many first-round draft picks don't make it to a second contract, you know? Um, it's, it's hard. And that's why, you know, a lot of these kids don't play early. Or some of them, they never make it. It's hard. It's, I mean, you know, it's shocking a guy like Giddy Westbrook wins yeah. a Blitnikoff goes to the Jaguars who didn't really have a whole lot of talent, you would think he would be, yeah, you know, big time right off the bat. But the thing and, is, every and, dude on that defense can run. Yeah. And they're all mm -hmm. damn good players, right? That's right. why yeah. they're in the NFL. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're up there running a 4-5, everybody runs a 4-5, except for <laughs> the D linemen, with the exception of a couple DNs, they might run 4-5s. Um, who would have guessed that Blake Bell would still be in the NFL yeah. as a tight end two at this time point? Two-time Super Bowl champ. I mean, yeah. watching him come in as a highly touted quarterback from yeah. Kansas yeah. and then make that transition to tight end his last year at OU, and then he's still in the NFL. Well, and if he does that a couple or, years or, earlier, I mean, what, do he go in the third round? Mm -hmm. I mean, he might be a first, second-round pick. He's got the right. size, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And the brains. Yeah. Well, let's get to some listener questions. Okay. Let's see. What do we got here? I had them all loaded up, but – we got on to other topics. Classic Jay. That is classic Jay. But we're all good enough in our jobs <laughs> here to TikTok and Okay. Oh, so, so, so some of these some of these are not specific. They're all gonna be different questions. Uh, I would expect every question to be different. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some people put in multiple of the same questions. You don't know. Okay, let's see. It's going well. Matt wants to know. How often do coaches have to stay relevant with recruits? And or how often are there um, requests from recruits to get their commitment or things that the parents want and different things? I would say it's quite frequent. Yeah. Um, I think I think you got to look at, like, think of recruiting like any type of sales or business. Um you know, you got to stay on top of it. So, if, you know, if I want this kid to commit or if I want this deal, you got to keep, you know, you got to keep talking. You got to keep communication open. You got to keep talking to them. Um, kids go cold. They don't answer your calls, text sometimes, but you got to keep at it, right? Um, you know, the commitment deal is weird because there's also, when you're at a school like Oklahoma or these, you know, top schools, a lot of kids want to go there, right? Um, you know, let's say receivers, O-line, you're only taking two or three a class for the most part, right? But there might be six of the top 25 receivers who want to come. So there's some strategy there, too. Um, sometimes you don't take kids' commitments. I mean, that's kind of the reality of it. Um, yeah, so when, we, so when the public sees that we put an offer out to a kid, so there, are, there is such a thing as a committable offer yes. and just offers. So... The written offers don't go out until September 1st of their senior year, I think is the date. Um, but there's still times. I know I don't I don't know the exact rule. I don't I want to say you can't rescind a written offer 
but there's kind of the whole like there's no reason for you to come here we're not gonna honor it I, so I, you could take I, in theory a, I, a kid you don't want yes. per se he has the ability well, to also, come regardless but i if he's i don't had a, a, no i don't think so offer. because there's only so many spots he won't get a scholarship. Yeah, he won't get a scholarship. Um, So, like, that's why quarterbacks – I mean, quarterbacks commit junior year, right? Typically early junior Mm -hmm. year, sophomore going to junior year for the most part. (laughs) Why? Because there's typically one quarterback spot per signing class. So, if I I got an offer from OU and I'm serious about being a QB at OU, I better take it now because if I don't, there's another kid down the street who's probably going to take it, right? Um you know, requests from parents and stuff, I didn't deal with a lot of that. You know, people make promises. Um, I don't, you know, like numbers, stuff like that. Um, everybody has their own kind of... Is it everywhere from like, um, you know, can you guarantee that my kid's going to start as a freshman? See, I... Or just play I know time. the way my dad does it, and my dad's most realest person you're going to get in recruiting. Um, I mean, he's... And I might add the best recruiter at OU. I mean, he, for what he I did mean, in the yeah. in the two thousands with the running backs. Oh, it's unmatched. He's yeah. told unmatched. kids like, I mean, my job's to get a, somebody to replace you next year. That's, I mean, that's your recruiting job, right? My job is to go out and find somebody better than you every class. Um, I mean, I've, I, if you talk to some of the guys from the two thousands, guys who turned out to be all Americans and first round picks. I mean, tell guys you'll never play here, stuff like that. <laughs> um, but. You know, it's – I don't know a lot of the promise stuff. I, I was never a part of those conversations. That would have been more of like a a kid and his family with Lincoln or something. Um, a little I, more intimate conversation. Yeah, it's more of an intimate too. conversation. Um, I think you got to be careful getting in the, engaging in a lot of stuff like that because once you start, where do you stop? Um, yeah, you can't backtrack those conversations. And, you know, I've – especially the number thing, and I've heard it, just through, you know, some of my friends still in the profession have people promising numbers to two or three kids. Well, which one do you give it to? Yeah. Um, you know, I got my fourth-year senior who's become a starter. who wa- He wants number eight, but I promised, you know, the number two linebacker in this class that he has number eight. You know, how wow. do you manage that? Um, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And it that seems petty to us. As that, yeah. But yeah. Like, oh, I, I want to have 44. But, but that's, a, that's a world changer to some of those kids. Yeah, I'm number uh, eight. I've always been yeah. number eight. That's that's all I know. Yeah. So Didn't Baker, Baker had to give that up? himself right in at tampa doesn't he have to give up his he's, number he's is not he not six? six? Oh wait i don't know he's six at tampa he, he he was not six at oh at, uh, at the LA. rams at the rams, at the yeah. rams. but the yeah. Rams yeah. 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 yeah yeah it was what like number like it was something weird some 15 yeah, or something yeah. odd which it's an odd number i mean granted he wasn't the guy there he came right. in to be a back yeah. quarterback yeah. well i could see how it'd be important for him not just the um sentimental value or whatever it's, it's your identity it's your brand. Yeah, it's brand. Your identity. yeah i mean people yeah. call him six like yeah. i i remember orlando all the time like hey six or let's go six you know yeah. stuff yeah. like that that's yeah. that's your name your identity it's your number it's kind of who you are how yeah. cool it was it when they brought baker's jersey out like the suspension like what? he died like he died <laughs> <laughs> uh, honest, i thought it was stupid yeah. uh, I, baker even thought it was good I, mean, I remember sitting over there like what the fuck i, know, forget, yeah. <laughs> I thought orlando brown was about to like get on his knees and pray and i so thought that it was, was awesome that was after the was the kansas game is that what it was yeah, the your daddy. yeah, yeah. It was the kansas i was at the kansas game, game yeah. and i didn't know anything about it because i had started on the i was on the kansas sideline side for the first half and there were so few people And then you there. just got to sit wherever you wanted. I walked, yeah, so I walked <laughs> yeah. around, and that was behind the OU bench. 
And then I'm, my text is blowing up like, Baker just grabbed his crotch and was yelling at Kansas. I was like, yeah. okay, so what? And awesome. like, whoever the announcer was like, oh, that's so Bush League or whatever. Yeah. Who was it? Uh, it, was the, it was the Alabama dude, wasn't it? Was it McElroy? McElroy, McElroy yeah. And he's like, yeah. I can't yeah. believe And I'm like. That doesn't entail the, that's not the Heisman way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then you come to find out that they didn't shake his hand. At the, they didn't shake his hand. Yeah. They're talking shit the whole time. Yeah, you know, hitting him late. Yeah, and then, so Kyler started that game and had like a 60-yard Yeah, I broke like a 60-yard, like the third <laughs> yeah. play, I think, second yeah. or third play. Yeah. All right, here's another question from one of our listeners, Josh. He wants to know. What's the biggest difference between a Stoops ran team and a Riley ran team? It's really not a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, I didn't work for Bob full time, but just you know, like growing up and being a part of the program as a student, I didn't really see much of difference. Um, I think Lincoln might have been more hands on, um, and I think in a specific area or holistically. Holistically, hmm. um, and I think. So did Bob like what his coordinators do with yeah, everyone do? Yeah, so, I mean, Bob was more involved with the defense. Um, you know, he'd come in the de- offense room and hang out sometimes, but he wasn't really in there. He let his offense coordinators run their show, which he always had great offense coordinators, and he was able to. Yeah. Um, I didn't really see much. I think we might have done more, just more involved, more stuff with Lincoln. Um, I think outside looking in, sorry not to cut you off, but uh, something that we've said on this pod specifically, um, fan perspective, I'm sure you've seen it, but something that I've said even is a vibe of um, maybe less discipline and or accountability on the Lincoln staff with the players. And and, and maybe it's, it's more off the field type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, and there's... I, Again, fan yeah, perspective. It could just be no. an age thing, too. Like, Bob's old school. Yeah. Lincoln's more new school. Yeah. And, I mean, that, that changes your perception yeah, of, of how um, life is, essentially. Yeah. yeah I. Yes and no. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's things. I'm not going to be specific, no, no, no. Sorry, specific about any of this. I mean, there's some stuff I didn't like about how we did or didn't do things. Um, That's what they With accountability and discipline. Um, yeah. But not my program. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. I know one thing... You know, like my uncle always said, is you got to be careful of making a lot of rules. Because um, yeah. when you make a lot of rules, once you make an exception, you kind of you have to start making more exceptions. You know, well, that's the thing when you're not when you're not Alabama and you're not Georgia. Yeah, you can't have those rules. Well, and the, that rigid structure. You and know? you know, Bob had the luxury. Bob won a national championship his second year, right? So Bob could have never played a national championship the rest of his career, but it still would have been Bob, right? You know, I think. Lincoln had a huge pressure to be that guy. You know, all the, besides the 90s, you know, the dark days, everybody else won national championships, right? Bob won national championship, played in, what, three more after that, I mm-hmm. think? Um, and one playoff, yep. I think um, Lincoln had a lot of pressure. You know, it was his first head job. He didn't, you know, most guys, you go OC, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're a mid-major OC, you go to big-time OC, you go down to a, you know, a, group of five head coach or a small power five head coach, then you move up, right? Well, he went from ECU, OC, OU, OC to being the head coach at a top five program in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, but so did Bob. So did Bob, yeah. And uh, Now, it was a major program that yes. he left. He went from Florida. Well, he only won so a natty. He won so, a national championship. Yeah. Right, well, no, but I'm saying that he, you know, he came in with the pressure too, but he happened yeah. to win. Yeah, he, and, but he came, and, in, he came in with a different kind of pressure because that was coming off of right. the one Schnellenberger year, the three right. Blake years, yeah, so just, the program's down. For sure. The expectations taken, were really low. Lincoln's over a Corvette and not a Pinto. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Switzer came in very much like Lincoln, um, almost identical. 
inherited he, a good team. He came from a stronger program. He came from a stronger group. In fact, that group that came in was just a legendary group that he was with. And he eventually gets the, the job as a very young head yeah. coach and, and obviously immediately wins and, and actually doesn't lose, period. Yeah. Uh, different until times. A, a fluke. So very different situation. But, yeah, Lincoln, Lincoln came into a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, I think he sets himself up for more pressure throughout his la- his later years at OU after that for post the yeah. first year because he makes it to a playoff. The first year, probably you know, should have you know, won, won a national championship. Probably should have won a national championship, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, the next year we have the best offense in college football again, but can't stop anybody. We can't stop anybody. You know, I I always joke about you know we talk you know championship November. We had what did we we beat Kansas like fifty five forty five. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We should have lost to OSU, game. but they skipped the ball to Tylon. Yep, Corn Dog did. Yep. We go up to West Virginia, and if they don't put Trey Brown in the stands, we're going down fourteen, and we're going to lose that game. That like like late blocking or no? They they it? blocked him into the stands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> into the stands. Literally. So the next yeah. play, Buzzy gets a strip so. sack, ties the game up because um, they they took it down. They were going up fourteen. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it got really hard for him because we were there, right? We were. One play away from playing national championship, and I think we win that game. Um, Eighteen, you know, we we came back against Bama. We, I mean, we scored some points the second yeah. half. We just too, we didn't was this, was a slow <laughs> was a slow start. Shell shocking a little bit. It was. I mean, because we had a damn good team. We had a really good O line too. I mean, that O line's uh, eighteen. In my opinion, eighteen O line's better than the seventeen O line. Oh yeah. You have five NFL players on that line, right? Yeah. Um, we win the Joe Moore Award in eighteen. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, um, you know, but we go out. We what did we go out? Twenty eight nothing or twenty one? Twenty one nothing. In the first quarter. Um, no, it's, I think it's twenty eight. Twenty eight at least. least. I, I, th- was was it? It? I thought it, it might have been twenty eight. I think it was twenty. And the first, I think, yeah. they they get it like a sack or two each of the first Hollywood's couple possessions. Hollywood's injury didn't help anything. Yeah, that's true. Um, it was shell shocking. I mean, we rallied back and scored some points. It was just too late, and we couldn't get any stops. So, right, let's good good kind of ask about some defense. You're on the offensive side of the ball. How, what's the what's the vibe in the room when 17, 18, 19, you have the best offense in the country pretty much all three of those years? Well, 19, I guess LSU is better. But 17, 18, 19, you've got incredible offenses, and the defense can't do anything. Is there any animosity, animosity in the locker some. room of I, the offensive guys being like, I, I if don't you guys know can just stop somebody, room, we'll win this game? I would say those guys, they knew it. Um, they knew yeah. what they had to do. Yeah. What about I, coaches? Was there any not finger pointing necessarily, but I think, was there any like if I you think, guys could just stop these sons of bitches for two drives, we we're gonna win a national championship. I think we as an offense knew what we had to do every week. Yeah. Um, score. 50. I think it's kind of one of those. So the pressure the pressure really was we need to score on every yeah. drive. I think it was one of those like we we know we got to score. Um, you know we might get a turnover on defense or a stop or two, but. If we take care of business on our end, it's not going to matter. Um, well, I want to pull on that thread a little bit then because you mentioned how Lincoln is very hands-on. Did he not take enough responsibility for getting his defense, his system as a defense, where it needed to be? What was he, the disconnect? I mean, he spent a ton of time over there. Um, you know, like Grinch, when I, from what I'm around with Grinch, Grinch is awesome as a coach. He's a motivator. He pushes those guys. I think kids believe in him. You just, they never got the results from it. Um, and, you know. That, and not that, that, even last year, though, like, that, that's, that's thematic. 
mm-hmm. right? I mean, you have arguably the best defensive motivator in college football as your head coach. Yeah. And he's spending all his – I'm not say all because I don't know. I'm not in the practice. But assuming most of his time on that side of the ball in practice. Yeah. And given it's a different system, it's a different scheme, you have guys who are learning new stuff. But even that, they're athletes, right? They're Division One athletes at the University of Oklahoma who – performed under what I believe their abilities should perform, right? And yeah, I think that's I, I probably a common that. theme yeah. with Grinch. I mean, we felt the same way about Grinch when he came in. I was – you go listen to one of Grinch's first few press conferences or any of his press conferences even maybe. Yeah. I mean, I want to go play for the guy. Yeah. Like, I know he talks talks a lot, but the dude knows what he's talking about. Yeah, you know, it's weird. I, I mean, the guy is – I mean, world-class motivator, and I, I – I think those guys buy into it. It's just they don't, you know, even if you watched USC this year, um, what were they like? Same story in the back half. five in sacks and turnovers yeah. or something, I think. Yeah, um, and then they just still give up a ton of points. They don't tackle in space. Um, I mean, if you watch the bowl game, I mean. It says it all. How do you score that many points and lose a game? Yeah, to Tulane. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. <laughs> Same way you score that many points and almost lose the game. <laughs> yeah. I always felt like there was kind of a divide um, between the offense and defense. Now, I don't know if it's anything anybody said, but I just kind of always had this feeling. Just like there are because, two teams on one team? Just because, yeah, just because of the results and how the teams turned out to be. You know, 17, we had a lot of good players on defense. We did some good things on defense. I mean, you got NFL players. You got we, Kenneth we, Murray's of the world. Did we have a national championship defense? No. Um, Weren't we one of the only – I think we were the only um, playoff team with not, like, a top-10 defense. I think we were in, like, the 20s or 30s maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, 18 and 19 is just kind of like offense versus the world, you know. Um, Truly. And – This isn't a fan question, but um, nerds like us, we like to follow recruiting. And on paper, there's – Almost every defensive player across the board on OU for the last seven years. Four-star offers everywhere. Yes, is yeah. is wanted by all these other teams that field considerably better defenses. Yeah. How does that, in, in a layman's term, how does that happen? Like, how, how does... How does, how does um, it not work out? <laughs> how does it not work out when the talent is there? Is, is it, Seems is it schematics? Seems is it how it gels? I mean, you miss on guys. Like, the three receivers that came in, they were all... Top five, you know, Trajan and, yeah, and Hazelwood and Theo. These other yeah, teams Theo. have we, to miss on we guys. We could have been any more excited about that receiving class. Garrett Wilson. We were so excited about that receiving class. That, yeah. Like, this is going to be incredible. Um, Trajan got in trouble, obviously. Well, but the I other two but, but like for, never. But, but player for player, you, you could almost go down the list with, I mean, I always say it's maybe not fair because their, their scheme is so yeah. different. But, um any other team that in the Big 12, just the Big 12, that ranks considerably better than OU. And you're like, well, I'm not going to trade. I'm going to like a backer for theirs. Yeah. I'm not going to trade our safety for theirs. I'm not going to trade our corner for Like, you could go across the board. And you probably have nine guys. You're like, well, I'm not trading my nine for their nine. Yeah. And then they're 60 spots higher in team defense. I think, I mean, there's a lot of factors, whether it's, you know, bus, miss, you know, schematics, coaching. To me, it's just like there's the perfect gel of all those things together, and it just kind of it all happened. It happened, you know. Unfortunately, it it played out that way. Um, 
you know, you have a couple kids on that defense who are, you know, great players and some kids that should be great players, but they're not. And you see kids that weren't necessarily, quote-unquote, great at OU who are being successful professionally. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it it is – it's just – it's a conundrum to, it's, um, to, to say the least. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it could just be, you know, kids not developing. Um, I mean, think at OU, you're not ta- – every kid you recruit was either the best or a top two kid on their high school, right? You know, they're all – four stars, couple five, you know, mix of three stars, right? They all have a bunch of offers. They're all damn good players in high school. Um, it's just sometimes it just doesn't work out. I think, unfortunately for us, there's a lot more of it not working out. Um, Why does it seem to be that happens more defensively than offensively? We're in a tough – I mean, because you had the best offensive coordinator in the country on yeah, the other side Yeah, I mean, of the if you look at yeah. – And the best quarterbacks. And you the look best at your, your – you know, the – the players you're bringing in, I mean, we've missed on guys. We've missed on quarterbacks with Lincoln. Um, you know, we've missed on missed backs. On receivers. Receivers, O-line. I, I mean, know, but you, other players, even if they're lesser, have stepped in, right? And yeah, on I players. just. But, but, like, defensively, it seems like if you miss on some defensive guys, you're just like, oh, man, we're, I th- we're I in think some serious de- trouble. Defense right. is, a, is a, you know, defense, you get exposed more one-on-one. Yeah. Um, you know, receiver, you may drop a ball. You know, O line, you may get beat, but you know that's not the play that gets circled. If it's at the a four man, day, four man rush, you know, the center might help out the guard, or the back might be there. You know, unless unless the tackle is just getting ran around every single play, most people don't see that, right? Um, but defense, everybody knows when you miss a tackle. Everybody knows when you blow a coverage. You know, if somebody runs behind you, you get a touchdown. Everybody's looking at you. When you get ran over, everybody knows who that was. Um, I think defense, there's more of a spotlight on you as an individual. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I think it's just a lot of unfortunate things, you know, adding up, and it, that's what it was. Um, yeah. What other questions from the listeners? Eh? Um, we had another question, uh, and this maybe just cover <coughs> this in all of its spectrum. Um, do, we, do we win if we don't squib kick? <laughs> against Georgia. And and what happened with the squib? What was what was said about it? Was it planned? Was it oh my god, what just happened? <laughs> um, reflecting on it, was it a huge deal? Do, do, do the need, coaches do we need to essentially do we need to decide <laughs> if we go find Austin Cyber? <laughs> <laughs> so the squib thing was weird. So everybody in the box was gone. You know, we just scored. Going down so the they left. They they, they come down. They, they on the yeah. elevators. To go okay. They went to the elevators and they got to get on some tr- or some you know whatever golf carts and get their ass to the locker room. Some of those places it's kind of a hall. So, um, you know, after we scored, you know, my dad's like, "Hey, you good with us coming down?" I'm like, yeah. So the conversation was entirely between Lincoln and Coach Bowler to do the squib kick. Um, so it was a coaching decision. It was a coaching decision. Okay. Um, now the execution probably wasn't. So it was, Austin, I so it was supposed it, to be a deep squib. It turned into an execution. I mean, he just mishit it. I yeah. mean, that guy couldn't have gotten a better bounce. And then what? They throw a ball for thirty yards, kick a field goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was necessarily a deep versus not deep. I think he just hit it. Just, it, where it just it got the way it bounced. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right that's the it. thing about squib kicking is you never know. It's just but that's like an not onside. up to the. That's not up to the kicker ever. No, I okay. mean it was his onside kick. He just mishit it, and they got a good bounce. Um, you know, I don't. What is it? How? How? I, how I don't do you think, think. How do you think the second half 
did it did it change any game plan? Did it change any um, comfort level? I think it might have. It might have toned us down a little. You know, we were riding pretty high going to that half. You know, we we're playing fucking great, right? Mm-hmm. We were up 17, I think. Yeah, 31 14. 31 14. Yeah. Okay. Scoring every time. So we 17, the ball, 17 points. Yeah, 17. Um, were we up 30? We went up 38 to. 38 to. Two. I think when we scored, we 17. scored two touchdowns. I think in the we went half. 38 17 in the third quarter. Okay. So they I were think. at 14, kicked it to go 17. They, they kicked it to go 17 into half. Yeah. Into so half. Yeah. And they it, were only down 14. You know, 14. I think it. It might have toned us down a little, but it gave them hope. I mean, that place, they went fucking wild after they kicked that. It was like a 53 or – it was a pretty long field goal. It was a boot. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long field goal. Of course, as long as ever, I'm pretty sure it was. Probably. They, right. they made, a, they made defensive adjustments in the second half, too. They, and they did. And, I mean, that's an NFL defense. I mean, you got Roquan Smith running side to side. You know, that guy um, – What? So, you say tone uh, – like it toned just, us down. That, that makes sense. And like a, like a morale standpoint. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like – when everything is going great, just you know, scored, and you just get punched in the gut, and it's like, damn. So, like, so it's it not was. As, it was a substantial event. I think so. Okay. Um, I don't know if it I necessarily w- changed the outcome of the game, but it kind of, you know, took a hit on us, and it gave them so much momentum. You know, they just had a terrible half. Um, they're down what. 20 at that point? Is that right? No, no, you're, no sorry. I, I meant they went, they, thir- they went up. We went up. I'm pretty sure we went up 38-17 in the third. It was 31-17 to 17 at half. Yeah. So 31-14. We so we're up three possessions. Yeah. And, and they then the field goal they and then I don't think goal. we went back up on them like that in the third. I'm pretty sure. I think they, look, they, look I think they came storming. While you're looking that up, I, I think they came storming right back. Ask about that because, you, as you say, it changed the, the tone of what we were doing. And you made it an interesting comment there. It made me think about the adjustment factor, and they made great adjustments. Yeah. Um, was that mo- maybe even a more significant coaching mistake by Lincoln to not make adjustments for adjustments in the second half versus what the squib kick did? Because the squib kick is just three points, yeah. and it's just it's a little momentum and hope, but you should be able to overcome that. It's the all the adjustments they yeah. made. You know, I don't. That's so long. I don't remember the adjustments we made at half in that game. I mean, um, everything we did was working. It, yeah, so it just seems like to, we like, might have change your game we plan might have came half. out and kept doing what we were doing, and then. Well, that's made, where I think you got to change in the third quarter. Or they something. made the adjustments, and we working. finally caught on, and maybe we didn't make the right ones after that, or they just. I well, think I'm that's one thing let us down too because they just let the running backs. Yeah, but they also got the scoop. And, they also got the scoop and score. Yeah. It was their two yeah. running backs. Yeah. So yeah. It was, Swift and somebody else. It was thirty-one seventeen, and then okay. they they immediately came out in the third quarter, scored, scored a touchdown. I mean, okay. Swift and right. Chubb just ran wild to make it a one possession that's game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It should have been a three so possession game. So you're talking game, they, they made a, a three one. possession game down to a one. You know, that's that's a big you know morale change and momentum of the game. You know, football. And like every other sport, it's momentum, and yeah. that's they really. I mean, they went on a t- they, they went kinda, on a twenty four point yeah. twenty four to zero run. I think they kind of they stole some momentum there. You know, we had everything going for us, nothing for them. They kind of stole some of that, and it's. I don't know if you could say the game changes. We win or lose, rego- like maybe we don't, maybe we do. Um, I, don't, I remember standing right there behind that booth, literally that spot, <laughs> when they kicked that field goal and saying. That after yeah. that after that squib kick and after the field goal that just lost us the Rose Bowl. It's just it's a difference of us, you know. You're running in at half, and our half of the stadium's going fucking wild because we're kicking Georgia's ass compared to 
they have a lot. They have the new life, you know. Like, they're, uh, they're, it's a bad they're, taste. They're being pretty yeah. loud going in the house. And you know, he was able to use that as a motivating factor in the in the oh, halftime yeah, to say, now we need to make our adjustments. We got a chance. Well, in and this you game. go in there and you tell your your offense, we get the ball. We mm -hmm. go score. It's one possession game. And so sure it's, enough, they it's did. Almost, and they did. If we right. score, it's basically zero zero again. You know, it's one possession game. You get a stop. We score again. Zero zero. Yep. That's maybe that's a good listener question. Good good question there. Yeah. Any um, other good questions to, to um, round us off? A very special listener, Mr. Cooper, he wants to know some of the major differences between the quarterbacks, just like the ball coming off their hand, who throws the prettiest ball, who throws the most catchable ball. Can you tell when you're watching a kid get recruited mm. or in different camps and just like it just comes off their hand differently? Yeah. No, I, I, I think you, you can for sure. I think it's the same of – somebody pitching or, you know, somebody hitting a baseball. You know, you see a guy hit a ball and you're like, wow, that ball comes off the bat different. Um, I think if you just pay attention to, you know, throwing mechanics maybe, um, you know, kids, you can tell somebody uses their all arm. Um, you can tell kids who they're in sync with their throwing motion. You know, the hip should follow the arm, right? Um, you know, I think Baker probably, Baker might have had the strongest arm. Think Being Kyle, stronger than Kyler? I think so. I think Kyler probably threw the best ball, in my yep. opinion. Um, Better than Rattler? See, I, I wasn't around Rattler enough. Okay. I don't really – you know, Rattler threw – was pretty good. Um, and you're saying just the I mean, just the ball. the ball. Yeah, just, just the, the ball. Yeah. I, I think Kyler – they all – I mean, they're all obviously great, great throwers. I would probably say probably Kyler's probably got the best ball. Um I'd say Kyler, Baker, Jalen. Yep. I think that's um, probably where I'd put it as well. If I'd, mm -hmm. from a None very of them, outsider. in my mm -hmm. opinion, I saw any like flaws in their mechanics or anything. Um, Kyler is just such a gifted and natural athlete, you know. I mean, Kyler Murray is arguably the best athlete on every field he's ever stepped on in any sport in his entire life, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, I can, he's like Bo Jackson. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he can I do it all. I feel his pain, yeah. <laughs> um, given he was never on a field with Jay. <laughs> that is technically true. <laughs> yeah, I had, that is true. I had a question we talked about a little bit on the walkover about um, with your lineage between your whole family football-wise that you didn't pursue coaching as a, as a career. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about just, you know, moving all around and all that stuff. Not, not everybody can be as, as lucky as your dad was and even Mike being at Oklahoma State as long as he has because – you know, you're talking about your friends, three high schools or three, you know, three high schools in three years and all that stuff. Yeah. And you just decided not just to step away from it. Yeah. Um, you know, after my first year full time, I took some time to reflect. Um, you know, you I've spent my whole life around it, even as a student, but it's different until you actually do it. Um, you know, basically from when we start in July until the day after the game, the bowl game, it's all day, every day. It's, um, you know, it's waking up every morning, going to work and going home, going to sleep. Um, you know, like my first year we talked about earlier, like I'd still go out. Um, <laughs> it would have been my fifth year in college. So, I'd, you know, I'd make time to go out on Thursdays and the weekends. But then you're sacrificing the sleep you need. So then you're going off at three hours of sleep. But, I mean, long t I think long term, um, I just kind of asked myself what I wanted. Um, and projecting, you know, I have a wife and kids one day. Um, and I'm not saying, like, 
I didn't have a bad life as a child. I mean, I had an incredible childhood, um, you know, a lot of experiences and opportunities nobody else has had. Um, and I, you know, I appreciate everything my parents did for me and, you know, the sacrifices my dad made with his job, but I didn't want, um, I didn't want to, you know, go down that road and follow the paths of that a lot of other, co most coaches go through. Yep. Um, you know, we kind of talked about earlier that kind of, it's the closest thing to probably being in the military, you know, you're at a new school every year, year to two years, and that's the reality of it. Um, you know, most programs, unless you're a top program, you get, there's a reality is you're probably going to get fired within three years, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind moving a couple times. Um, you know, I'm still kind of in my early in my new career. I wouldn't mind moving at some point, but I, I, didn't, I didn't want for me in my future um, – and you know, projecting a family one day for them to have to go through what would probably be my career. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. I got I got one last one last. So uh, as we wrap up, um, and thanks for having thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah man, no, you've been, this has been amazing insight. Amazing insight. Have to insight. come back during season. Uh, twenty twenty three prediction for the Sooners. Um, can somebody pull up the schedule? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's twelve games and eleven regular <laughs> season. Yeah, I oh, have to look at it. Yeah. So I actually listened. <laughs> I listened to my dad talk about it on the radio on Monday. It's the first time I've listened to him. Oh, I think that's cool. By the way, he's doing uh, sports. Animals, yeah, doing Gundy Monday. Gundy Monday, and he's doing um, it at Louis across. So town. yeah, I remember looking at these schedules a couple months ago. OU and OSU got really good draws on these schedules. Either of them play any Texas teams except for TCU. OSU only plays TCU. OU only has Texas and TCU. Obviously, the best two teams, but that's leaving out Baylor and Tech, two teams yeah. they lost. And to. we skipped and Kansas, Kansas State. State. And they lose Kansas State. Yeah. So yeah. You, lose, you don't play three teams you lost to last year, right? And we don't go to Waco. Yeah. I mean, your first four games, I think, are cakewalks. So, Iowa State, you never know. I, I think they should probably be undefeated going into Texas. Uh, at worst, four and one. Maybe you lose Iowa State. I don't. I don't think they should. You know, Iowa State lost a lot. Um, they yeah. kind of finally lost all those fourth and fifth year guys. Um, UCF. Yeah, I mean they should beat UCF. They should beat Kansas. Um, I mean I'd pick them over OSU right now. I think. I think you're going ten and two. I think best case ten and two. I I think. At this point, I think nine and three would be realistic. Um, so eight and four disappointment. Nine and nine three, and three and ten up. and two would be a good season, I think. Um, I would, in my opinion, they'll pro I think they'll lose to Texas. Um, I think TCU's up in the air, but I think it's a short week. It Coming is back it's a from BYU. It's a too, Saturday. Right? Yeah, we get the Black Friday. You'll get a. You'll yeah. probably get a night game out there, so you're gonna get lose an hour, get back, and mm -hmm. then you play a Friday. Um, so I think, I think Texas and TCU should be the only losses, which they could beat TCU, they could beat Texas. Um, but those are the challenges. Those will be your biggest challenges. Um, and that's about just performing what you should. I think where you should perform. And this is kind of how we've been forever. It's, they're gonna. They're gonna slip up somewhere. Yeah, that's just kind of what we've done every year. You know? like, I mean, yeah. most, whether it's honestly, most teams across the country everybody slip does. up. Yeah, everybody yeah. slips up. Other than, um, other than the Georgia, even the they Alabama. have their yeah. moments of doing. That, yeah, so, I yeah. mean, Georgia should have lost to Ohio State in that game too. Should have maybe lost to Missouri early yeah, in the season. That's right. So, um, that's right. and the slip up, I don't know who would be. And mighty Kent State 
gave him a run. That's right. I would <laughs> say maybe OSU. Oh, was she on a you heater? You don't think Kansas excited. is quite Kansas there yet? Is scary. I, I don't, Kansas is Kansas scary. quarterback Kansas looks... has some good stuff going yeah. for him, and it's on the road. Um, Iowa State's always a wild card. you got to respect Iowa State. It's it's weird looking at the schedule and not seeing Tech or Baylor. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it it's different. Um, I think K-State's the biggest miss for, like, the, oh, the most no, helpful yeah. miss for I, us. I agree. Is we would have been at K-State this year. Yeah, I mean, you get Iowa State at home. At Waco would have been tough, too. Your tough road games besides the Cotton Bowl, we're going to be back-to-back at Kansas at OSU, which, I mean, both of those teams could be good. They could be terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never know. I mean, I would have OSU probably winning seven, maybe eight. I think what did they fit? what's their win-loss, like six and a half? Yeah, and I don't I think, think Mike's ever been under seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I, I, I don't think six is fair. He always I, outperforms the line. I, I would give OSU between seven and eight. But I think OU, has no, they have no reason not to win nine. I think they should get up to ten. That's a good assessment. Well, Casey, thank you for joining yeah, us. Man. This has been Definitely. very Thanks exciting. So much. Yes. Very, very good. And we're going to hold you to that. We're going to bring you back during oh, the season. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll Absolutely. get some uh, post-game or some midweek uh, evaluation of where we are. Yeah, no, well, let's do it. Until next time, Boomer. Sooner. Sooner.